Did you come expecting to hear from the Lord? Yes. All right, good. That's faith. Faith has an expectation to it. That's Amen. for sure. Yes, yes. Well, we are continuing on in our series. Uh, we titled it, What on Earth is Happening? Have you been asking yourself that question lately? <laughs> You've got to be living in a closet or somewhere if you haven't said that to yourself lately. You look at the news and look at the world. What on earth is happening? <laughs> And many of you, we, we, we began it last week, and, and many of you after that service ex- said thank you for sharing um, some of the information in the video that we shared. Jonathan Kahn uh, spoke about, that was pointing out where the lawlessness and the confusion uh, that we are seeing out in the world, where it's coming from. And if you missed last week, I would really recommend that you go back, you can listen to our messages in any number of ways, but this, the video is linked right onto uh, our YouTube channel. Yes. But the basic truth that he was bringing out, and he, he had written a recent book called Return of the Gods, talking about the ancient gods of Israel that they bowed down to, idol gods, uh, how they have come back in full force into our culture and into the world and yeah. are affecting... Uh, people's minds and affecting our behavior and affecting our political, our education, medicine, everywhere. Every We're seeing aspect. the effect yep. of idol gods, and they're real. And so the basic truth came from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We have this up on PowerPoint. Um, we did have this. We saved some things. Our, like I said, our technology. We had a lot more than what's going to be shown. So. We use a Mac and we use PCs, and sometimes they don't intersect as well as we like. But um, this is the basic truth that we're going by in this series. Why are we seeing what we're seeing in the world? Scripture says this, for we're not fighting against people made of flesh and blood. Now, we could look out at people and look out at their behavior and go, this is crazy, this is strange. Why are they thinking this? Why are they doing this? Mm-hmm. Well, we're not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against evil rulers of the unseen realm. Those mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world or in heavenly places. Some of your translations would say that. Wicked spirits in heavenly places. And Ephesians chapter 2 tells us, uh, calls Satan and his hordes of demonic influence the prince of the power of the air. So he's very real. Yes. And he's very much at work. And so if you could pull back the curtain, the natural curtain of this life, we could see that we are truly in an epic spiritual war that's going on behind the scenes of everyday life. And there's a war. It's a war for the heart and soul of mankind, eternal soul of mankind. So this isn't just some war that it's like, well, you win and I lose and we go on. The war that this decides is for your eternity, where you spend eternity beyond this life. So it's a pretty important war. Amen? So this scripture, if you're at all familiar with the word, and if you've been a part of this church for very long, we've preached on this scripture a number of times. Mm -hmm. This shouldn't be any big surprise to a believer. 
Who's reading the word of God? Well, we understand where the warfare is coming from. Yet many in the church who say they're believers, aren't, I, I'm convinced, are not paying enough attention. Just Come not on. paying enough attention. And this is the problem, because when we, we've shared statistics on this, I think it was at least 50% of the church doesn't really believe in Satan as a real being. They, they believe in evil as some kind of force. 65%. But, but they don't really believe this scripture. There's actually spiritual warfare, fallen angels, fallen demonic spirits, and Satan himself that are working and scheming to influence people's minds to follow his mind. And too many Christians are yielding, too many Christians yeah. lack that knowledge and are yielding their cooperation with the demonic influences and without realizing it. God said, my people right. perish for a lack of knowledge, right? And how are people yielding? You can yield directly. I mean, you can just decide. Right. You know, people are Satanists, Luciferians. Right. But people yield through Ouija boards, and they yield through casting spells. Have you noticed that children's books are now... I mean, Disney's done this for a while, but there are books out now for kids on how to cast spells. Directing you to do it. As though it's some fun activity. Because they've seen it in enough movies now. Or witchcraft. Witchcraft, white witchcraft is becoming very popular. Yeah. Crystals, astrology. And people think this is just harmless fun. Let's just try it and see what it is. <laughs> And sometimes people are engaging in it because they're actually looking for some kind of personal empowerment. Right. This whole thing about Mother Earth and the universe, and I'm joining into the, the powers of the universe. This is very real, very new age, very much happening. Very new age, but really old age. Yeah. And so you can invite demonic activity into your life through all number of ways, psychedelic drugs, even just Marijuana and alcohol doesn't have to be even a psychedelic drug. The, the type of video games that you're watching, yep. that your kids, violent video games, vulgar media, music, vulgar industry. music, Oof. and there's plenty of it out there. I'm shocked again sometimes whenever I, I said this to him yesterday. I said, you know, we, the more you walk with God and you don't expose yourself to these things, you can sometimes, you know, I'm stunned yeah. at the vulgarity and the debauchery that's out there in media. I have, we have cable TV and at 9 o'clock at night, flipping through a channel, and it comes with MTV. I was shocked at what I saw with Drag Queen. I, I clicked on it on purpose because I thought, I just want to see what they're doing. Well, it, it, honestly, it absolutely should have been X-rated. And I thought, no, this is not censored anymore. And I have to wonder how many Christians click on it and watch. And whether you realize it or not, you're inviting demonic activity into That's your right. life. Even, even outbursts of anger, pride, traumatic fear, fearful things that happen to us in our life invite the demonic. That's right. But we have to know that Satan and demonic spirits can't do anything they just want to do. They need a willing cooperation from a human vessel. That's right. Yeah. 
Or you can invite them in just by your own ignorance, by unawareness, by you just unsuspecting. You're not thinking. You're thinking, oh, this is just, right. it's just harmless fun. Just even wrong thoughts will invite. This is what demonic. I mean about anger. Mm -hmm. and, and so you and I have free will. What we have to remember is you and I have free will. Thank God we have free will. Come on now. <laughs> And as followers of Christ, Scripture says, you, are, you and I are not to have fellowship with demons. And the good news is that Jesus has given us his authority. Yes, hallelujah. Over the power of sin and the demonic. That's really good news. But we have to be recognizing what is the demonic in order to exercise authority to resist it, <laughs> right? The devil, it says, roams around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Well, if I'm unsuspecting, he may devour me. If I open the door willingly, yep. he may come in and begin to devour me. And so many believers are living materialistic lives, mm -hmm. just relying on the intellect, Doubting scriptures like this. Well, the devil's not really real. Like, we're beyond, we're so intellectually beyond this. Guided just by the natural five senses, what I can touch, taste, smell, see, and hear, and figure out, and that's my world. But like I said, if we could, if I could pull back the curtain of this natural life, you would go, we would all be astounded. We would say, there are principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness coming against me and my family, in my mind. Constantly, yeah. yeah. We're and, at war. And we are to be people, Scripture says, who are guided by the Spirit and walk by the Spirit. And if we walk by the Spirit, it doesn't mean like I'm in some kind of super, ooh, you know, world. It means I'm walking according to this truth. That's right. And I've opened up my heart to let the Holy Spirit show me these things and then guide me in my choices and how I react and how I pray and what my priorities are. This and is so a, this the is video a, we showed last week, yeah. you know, Jonathan Kahn spoke about the return of the gods. He right, it. these ancient gods, they're, they're uh, actually, little g, little g, amen. <laughs> they're manifesting their influence in every, every facet of life, culturally. Uh, you, you're going all right now to the medical system. You go into politics, you just can't help but see it. And the way, like Pastor Mamie was saying, that us Christians have to be aware of these things. And you've got to have a discerning of spirits. A discerning of spirits doesn't mean you're just seeing devils. or doesn't. It means that you can pick up on a thought that was wrong or a presentation that was wrong. We need to have discerning of spirits at this time, more than anything, to tell you the truth. And the way you get the finer tuned into that is through reading the word and submitting your life right. to it. Yeah. You know, all of this lawlessness, again, these ancient gods are out, they hate Jesus, they hate the truth, and so all this immorality we see is just the opposite of what God wants. They want exactly the opposite. We've America, let me put it this way, America has thrown God out of our culture. Again, it started in the 60s and the 70s and it keeps going. And we looked at that scripture or uh, 
Matthew 12, we take a look at that, and Jesus is warning about a person who was possessed and then got the cast out, the devil got cast out, and that demon walks around looking for another house. And he can't find one, but he recognizes, I'm going back to the one I get kicked out of, and he finds it clean and empty. Empty. So what does he do? He gets seven more worse than he is, and they come back and get into that individual. But Jesus said something interesting after. He says, so shall it be with this generation. His warning was, if a house is empty, it will eventually get filled back up. This is important. And ultimately, Satan wants to be, well, if you read Isaiah 14, he says that I will ascend above God. I will be like God. I will put my throne in the sides of the north. He He ultimately wants worship. And we can read the Bible, and there's going to come a time when there's going to be such corruption in this world, and that influence will gain such growth and people all over will worship him he will gain power and he will cause people to have a mark in their hand if they want to eat if they want to buy anything this is the key we've got to understand that whoa here we go he wants worship Do you remember what he said to Jesus in the temptation in the wilderness? He said, you know, he showed him all the glory of the kingdoms of the world at one time. That tells you that there is power with this demonic. All right? And then he says, all this has been handed over to me by Adam. And I can give it to whoever I want. If you just bow down and worship me, it'll all be yours. And today, we're going to look at an avenue that he works in, and it's the gender confusion. We're going to find out what the Bible says about it, and we're going to see, because this is, this. if you've just watched the news, read the newspaper, you see what's going on, you see this is just exploded on the world scene and it all starts off just trying to destroy what God wants because that's what Satan is trying to do is destroy anything that God has and we I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 1 Genesis chapter 1 Genesis chapter 1 (laughs) does anybody know where we're going verse 26 and 27 Genesis is at the front of your Bible. (laughs) It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 
God made them male and female. Two genders. All mankind, listen carefully, all mankind is created in the image and the likeness of God. That puts immense value upon all people. The value, the worth that God has put on you and me and everybody we look at. But sin corrupted the whole thing. When Adam fell, it corrupted God's perfect plan. That perfect creation that we were, that Adam and Eve were in. And Satan hates, mostly what he hates is that God made a way for mankind to come back and be adopted back into his family through Jesus Christ. Because the idea behind it is so people know God, that they find their God-given purpose, and they experience life. Sounds familiar. You should sound familiar. (laughs) (laughs) It's vital that this happens. It's because ignorantly too many Christians are yielding to the devil and he has a foothold in your life. And so what we have to do, we have to know God. And how do we know him? Through his word, through gathering like this, through prayer. You know, I'm telling you right now, we are in this war and the only fight that we can give is through prayer and speaking the word of God. Anybody have trouble in their life right now? Well, then why aren't you at the prayer meeting? It's an open invitation to every single person. You watching online, same thing. We welcome you. The devil hates the truth. He hates Jesus. And he wants to hurt God by destroying his prized creation. That's mankind. And how does he do it? Well, he works in the minds of of people. And there are people, like Pastor Mamie said, there are people that yield to him and and call him their Lord. Luciferians. The elite of this world are all involved with satanic worship. And how how does it happen? These people gain ascendancy in political arenas and all of a sudden they start to do the will of the devil. How does he destroy people? Sanctioning abortion. Bringing a delusion upon people saying that you need to mutilate your bodies to find your true identity. (laughs) Abusing men, women, and children sexually. They have sex trafficking. They have hatred, jealousy, murder, violence against the innocent. See, the devil hates God. And so what is he going to do? He's going to attack his prized creation. That's you and I. And the devil has gained such ascendancy, he just comes back and watches mankind destroy themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And these wicked spirits, they're relentless. I'm telling you. And like Pastor Mamie said, they cannot manifest and do everything they want unless they have a body. And there are plenty of people that yield themselves and are inviting Satan to possess them. 
We think that people who are possessed are crazy and need to be locked up. People who are possessed are running countries. They're running high tech. They're incredibly brilliant and smart. And guess what? They know scripture. Didn't Jesus get quoted scripture by Satan? Yeah, come on. He, he, he's attacking God because he, he wants to destroy the prize creation. And that's you and me. That's everybody we see. He, he, he needs an individual so that he can manifest. What does he want to do? He wants to degrade women. He wants men addicted. He wants children to be abused. He wants to destroy the sacredness of marriage. He wants to destroy the family. Yeah. He wants to destroy anything that's, that God has put together to bless people with. Yeah. Demons manifest themselves through people so that their will can be done by these people. Yeah. And, you know, one of the, think about it, one of the best ways to do it is to confuse people about their identity since, since every, every person yes. is made in the image and likeness of God, well then let's confuse where we all came from and why you're here and figure it out yourself. And so this series and what, what we're doing, we, we have three videos planned to show you today. We're, we better get going on it. <laughs> They're shorter than last week. Um, but we're talking today about the gender confusion and these three videos. There's, there's so many that we could have chosen to use, but these three videos are three different people's testimonies of their experience with gender confusion, gender transition, then their decision to detransition yes. and why. Uh, but before you, we show you the first video, we, we thought it would be good to bring this to your attention of even what our CDC, the Center for Disease Control, is telling yeah. our Educa country. Educational department. If you can read this, CDC urges teachers, administrators, school nurses to adopt LGBT curriculum and endorse transgender identity. Now, I'm going to just read you a couple little portions of the article, and then we're just going to get into these videos. But what it says in this article, schools play a critical role in supporting the health and academic development of all youth. I, I can agree with academic development, including the success of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer questioning youth. So the school should be creating, sustaining, and inclusive school environments, policies, and programs that practice and include LGBTQ youth to improve the health and academic success of all the youth. No, the document just goes on to tell the educators and all the school systems to put up visual labels such as rainbow flags, pink triangles, unisex bathroom signs, marking all places in classrooms as safe places for LGBTQ students, teaching them inclusive um, content and trainings about pronouns and... Mm -hmm that allow the child to choose their chosen gender, which may differ from their biological sex. And then this next slide is part of this training, the this gender is, unicorn. Maybe some of you have already seen this. This has been around a few years already. This goes to kindergarten kids. 
But kindergarten kids, yeah, and let me just, I wanted to read the very bottom of that. You can't see it on there very well, but the very bottom says this. Uh, because that unicorn is meant to say that even though your body parts might say one thing, your, your identity as who you are is, can be different, even though you have something, a sex assigned at you at birth, that's what all those little things are saying, that you know, some people are male, female, intersex, or another base sex, the combination of anatomy. But it says we, at the bottom, examples of genders, this is the fine print on when it explains this, we included other genders to indicate the many genders that other people might identify as, express themselves as, and be attracted to. Examples of these genders, and this is what they want the teachers to understand and include and teach. And teach. Genders, including agender, bigender, gender fluid, gender queer, transgender, non-binary, gender non-conforming, and two-spirit are some of the many genders the children may choose from. Now, this is going out from our CDC into the classrooms. Many of those, many, I mean, in the more progressive states like California are using the gender unicorn, and they're saying kindergarten and up. Yes. And so we've, you can imagine, if your child is going to a public school, parents, you need to be aware of this. You need to be asking questions. <laughs> and aware of what the child will be exposed to. Uh, there's that, or, that article had many other interesting things in it, but that suffice it enough to say that. So now the, our, the first video that we want to show you is a, by a man named Walt Heyer. He born a male, transitioned in his mid-40s, yeah, I think, 42. to female for a certain number of years, eight or, eight or nine or ten years or so. He'll tell it in, in his testimony. And then why he felt like what had, what had happened in his earlier in his life that caused him such confusion then made the detransition back into a male. And then after that, we're going to probably show these one in a, right in a row because we're, yeah. we're going to run out of time and then come up and give you some concluding thoughts to how the church should be responding to these cultural issues that are bombarding uh, yeah, the schools and education and even the medical system. And so let's just yes. watch this video with Walt Heyer. I lived eight years as Laura Jensen. I lived eight years as Laura Jensen until I woke up and realized that it was totally insane to live this out the, the first time that it happened in the 50s was Christine Jorgensen, but Jenner took it to the next level. And, and then 2015, it began to explode. Are you a woman? Um, yes, for all intents and purposes, I am a woman. My brain is much more female than it is male. Ladies and gentlemen, the courageous, the stunning, Caitlyn Jenner. We're ruining an entire generation of children. I find even hearing about it and reading about it so repugnant and so destructive to children. Trans members of this family all love each other so proudly and they all... Bringing drag performers together with little kids is kind of a perfect relationship. There are people whose gender might be a little bit of both or might even be neither. 
and it's time that this stuff needs to end. We need men and women to step up and say, stop this nonsense. I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. You know, my upbringing was pretty much a typical California upbringing um, in, in Los Angeles in the early 40s. It wasn't really anything remarkable. At least not until uh, my dad began to take me over and drop me off at my grandma's house. Grandma was a seamstress and made dresses. And I became very curious about her work. And my curiosity led to her making me a purple chiffon dress that she made just to fit my perfect little four-year-old body. You know, at first it felt really exciting to have somebody telling me how wonderful and cute I was. But what I didn't realize was happening is the second grandma began to tell me how cute I looked in that purple dress, what she was really saying was that there was something radically wrong with the little boy that I really was. And so that begins this sort of creepy kind of psychological and emotional destruction that starts with inside a young boy, four years old, who doesn't know what the consequences are gonna be about putting on a dress at four years old. And keeping it a secret from my parents for nearly two years until I became so accustomed to wearing that purple dress that I decided to take the dress home so that I could put it on when my parents weren't watching or when I was alone and I could sort of listen and hear those affirmations. I became sort of addicted to the affirmations and hearing her say how cute I was. So I had the purple dress at home, but my mom found it found it in my bottom dresser drawer. And she said, well, where did you get this dress? And I said, well, grandma made it. And that just blew the house up. My dad was upset. My mom was upset. It was supposed to be a secret. I broke the secret. And as a result of that, I could not go back to grandma's house without my mom or dad being with me. Dad didn't know what to do. His mother-in-law had just been cross-dressing his young boy. He was so angry at my grandmother that he took his anger out in his discipline on me and he started hitting me with a hardwood floor plank uh, when I would do something wrong. Sometimes it, he was just being way too critical, but it was that what was built up in him because of what happened to me. He did not know what to do. If you can imagine in 1946, 47, there's no information about kids wearing dresses. But the next part of the equation was his adopted brother, Uncle Fred, heard about me wearing the purple dress, and Uncle Fred decided that I was fair game to be sexually abused. Uncle Fred was not playing with a full deck of cards, and he'd get a, drinking a little bit, and he would come looking for me, and he would molest me. The emotional and psychological issues that I had from Grandma affirming me, I didn't really realize the consequences of those for many years. The hardwood floor plank obviously was very devastating, and then the sexual abuse was sort of the cherry on top of the, the cake. I was a broken child before I was 10 years old. You know, I, I decided that maybe I should have been a girl, not realizing that, that what I was trying to do was escape the abuse, not actually change who I was. But it resulted in me going through this process for many years of cross-dressing, going out in public as a female. And so I, I went through this with even in my first marriage, I had two children. I was an executive for 
American Honda Motor Company. I worked on the Apollo space missions as an associate design engineer, but that purple dress, the hardwood floor plank, and the sexual abuse was about to take everything away. Then the next critical step was struggling with my identity. I went to a gender specialist in San Francisco who promptly identified me with gender dysphoria or gender identity disorder and promptly told me that I needed hormones and surgery. That was the treatment that he was prescribing to help me end the cycle of distress I was having about my gender because of what happened to me as a young child. The doctor I went to, his name is Dr. Paul Walker. Dr. Paul Walker was a homosexual transgender activist. He felt his job was to do like they're doing today, is to introduce people to hormones and surgery as a process of treatment. Now keep in mind, Dr. Paul Walker was not just your average therapist. Dr. Paul Walker was the author the primary chairperson and author of the Harry Benjamin International Standards of Care, the very same standards of care that's being used today that's called WPATH standards of care. His agenda was pushing transgenderism, pushing surgery, and pushing hormones recklessly and really damaging someone's life like mine. I had kind of um, a devastating um, run of events when I was struggling with alcoholism and drug addiction, uh, I went into a treatment facility as Laura Jensen and came out the other side and I went through a two and a half or three hour therapy session with my psychologist. And during that day, I went through all of the things that had happened, the sexual abuse, the emotional abuse, the, the, the wrong idea about going through this procedure, all the things I'd done wrong, the destruction I did to my children and my ex-wife. And I wrote everything down after speaking about these issues and he put a match to those yellow lined paper and, and in the parking lot and those papers began to burn and the, the wind gently picked up the flame and, and the papers were burned up and it was sort of that cathartic moment where you realized, okay, all of that stuff now is lifted off of my shoulders. And he said, let's go back into my office and let's pray. Well, I'll be honest with you, this guy prays a lot and he prays for a long time. And I did not want to go back in and pray with this guy because I figured I'd be there for like an hour praying. And as he prayed, um, I kept hearing him and I kept thinking, is he gonna end? And then there was a point in time when I couldn't hear him praying anymore. And miraculously, what I saw at that moment that I couldn't hear his voice was I saw the Lord Jesus Christ actually descending toward me with his arms stretched out and I looked in front of me and I saw that he was reaching toward a little baby. And I looked at the baby and I go, that baby is me. The Lord is coming to claim me. And he turned to me and said, your life will be safe with me forever. And the Lord disappeared. I realized at that very moment, the Lord came to redeem and restore my life so that I will serve him every day after that date. I wanted to restore my life, bring myself back to reality. So faith played the pivotal role in me being here today. 35 years sober, uh, married 24 years, and I detransitioned over 30 years ago. Thank the Lord I've been very successful in providing help to many people. I haven't been able to help everybody, but I've been able to help a lot of people and I'm very grateful for that. 
and I'm going to continue to speak out. I'm going to continue to work. I'm going to continue to try to help people who have no other place to turn. And so I started a website called sexchangeregret.com, and I work every single day with either a parent, a father, uh, a transgender who has regret like I did. Uh, I work with psychologists. I work with college professors. I work with doctors. I work with lawyers. I am working to prevent people from going through this totally unnecessary, insane surgical procedure. And that's why I'm so passionate about trying to raise my voice and give people the opportunity to go, wait a minute, maybe this isn't right for me. And I'm going to continue doing it until the Lord comes and uh, takes me home. And uh, that's my mission, is to stop people from unnecessary surgery and stop the advocates from lying to people about them being able to change their gender. Well, we just click on the next video. This is Chloe Cole, a young. There has been as high as a 4,000%. Over the past decade, there has been as high as a 4,000% increase in children being referred to so-called gender clinics across the United States. I was one of these children. My name is Chloe Cole, and I'm an 18-year-old former transgender child. I transitioned from the age of 12 up until 16 when I realized it all was a lie. My story is cautionary tale. Children and parents across the country have been caught off guard by gender ideology. Discussions about gender, transgenderism and gender identity went from being a relatively benign social oddity to a doctrine that has invaded nearly every academic, medical, and educational institution, seemingly overnight. How did we get to this point? How did we get to the point where nearly every pediatric institution in the country considers it best practice to remove the healthy breast tissue of children while administering drugs typically used to chemically castrate high-risk sex offenders. Raising these important questions is not bigoted, and the refusal of activists to give straightforward answers should be seen as a major red flag. People across the entire political spectrum who believe that this practice is morally wrong have been told that they are fascists or bigots for even questioning this atrocity. Others have been convinced by self-proclaimed gender specialists that this is the only treatment that will not end in your child committing suicide. I believe Americans deserve to know the truth about this radical and perverse ideology marketed as necessary and life-saving health care. I was only 12 years old when I told my parents that I was a boy. Like many parents in that situation, they didn't have a clue what to do. They were scared and desperate for answers. They wanted what every parent wants for their child, for me to be okay and thrive. At 13 years old, on the advice of so-called medical professionals, I was put on puberty-blocking medication, and only a month later, I was given my first testosterone injection. The gender clinic presented my parents with the, with the classic false dichotomy regarding children with gender dysphoria. Would you rather have a dead daughter or a living son? <laughs> Given these options, what loving parent wouldn't choose to transition their child? Scared for my life. My parents were prepared to sign anything the doctors asked. This was, not that, this was not informed consent. It was a decision forced under extreme duress. At 15, I went under the knife for a radical double mastectomy, the kind that breast cancer patients get. This was after I was sexually assaulted at school by a male student. I, I just told myself to man up 
but I lived my life in constant hatred of my breasts. I started binding, which deformed my breasts as well as my ribcage. I was afraid, and I couldn't wait to finally protect my body from the threat of further molestation. At 16, I finally realized what happened to me, and that I had made a huge mistake. I realized the beauty of motherhood was stolen from me by medical professionals who my family entrusted me to. I realized after maturing a bit more that a child does not in fact know who they are at 12 years old. I realized that I wanted to be what I always was and forever will be, a woman. With this realization came a series of challenges that were far worse than the transition. Somehow, I had to get myself off these drugs and tell everyone in my entire life that I was not who I said I was. My parents were shocked and felt like they failed me on every level imaginable. My friends all turned against me because I was evidence that their beliefs were a lie. I was a joke. I was a fraud. I was many years behind in development, incapable, in feeding, of, incapable of feeding my future children, and worst of all, completely alone. Even the medical professionals who got me into this mess now have no idea what to do with me, and they refuse to help me. It almost killed me, as it has killed many who regret transition. The big question still remains. How was a 12-year-old introduced to the idea that they could do something as ridiculous as change their sex? I was and still am the type of kid that never really fit into social norms. I was a tomboy, I was shy, I didn't socialize easily. At 11, I made my first Instagram account. I had unmonitored internet access. It wasn't long until I was exposed to a ton of LGBTQ content online. And I, I had never seen anything like it. You mean that all I have to do is subscribe to this ideology and then I'm an accepted, celebrated, and valued member of the most talked about community on earth? Transgender people are the most celebrated subset of this community. I saw the unbelievable amounts of praise and, and attention they got online and subconsciously I yearned to have a piece of it. With every milestone in my medical transition, I was given more and more attention and celebration. It was the ultimate high. Even in person, I got more attention. Girls would have crushes on me and I would have people come up to me in the hallways asking to make friends and it was, it was unprecedented to, for me. I felt like a celebrity. Being a kid, I, I didn't know just how superficial these relationships were until they all suddenly abandoned me just for struggling to become who I am. Much of this gender confusion is based on old regressive stereotypes of men and women which are now being reinforced with hormones and surgeries. Women can have short hair and be interested in playing sports and partaking in physical activities. Men can grow their hair out and wear makeup. It does not change their, their, it does not change their biology. The truth is, this practice is harming more and more children every day. What will we do to protect this most vulnerable group? Up until now, the media has been parroting the same ideologically driven, driven talking points. Affirm, affirm, affirm. The closest I've touched to mainstream media is a Forbes journalist who wrote a hit piece on me calling basic human biology transphobic. There are many detransitioners speaking out and they are ignored by the institutions most responsible for the search of truth. Up until today, most politicians on the left and right have done nothing but get into Twitter fights on this issue. There is no second chance at childhood, so we must do our best as adults to guide our children to pathways that lead to healthy bodies and minds instead of depression and disfigurement. No child deserves to suffer under the knife of a gender-affirming surgeon. America's children, all children, 
deserve better. Thank you. Hi guys, my name is Ariana Armour. The biggest part of my story is that I was in the LGBT community for 16 years. And that's the biggest thing that people know me by, transgender to transformed, and there's a lot that goes into it. Um, so I think the first thing I'd, I'd start out with is that I'm adopted. I grew up um, in a religious household, so it was more, you know, you go to church every Sunday and, you know, you listen to the pastor speak, but there's no, there was no feeling. There was no presence of the Lord there. I knew of Jesus, but I didn't have my own relationship with him, if that makes sense. Um, so that's how I grew up in my, you know, relationship with God was, you know, I know you're there, but I don't really know who you are. And I was four years old when I started dealing with same-sex attraction, and it happened in Sunday school. I remember it just like yesterday. I was four years old. Um, I was sitting there in Sunday school, and this girl walked in, and I remember, wow, this is the most beautiful girl I've ever seen in my life. And instantly, instantly, I slumped down in my chair, like sank in my seat, and I was ashamed that I was a girl. Keep in mind, nobody had ever talked, talked to me about attraction. Nobody had ever talked to me about sex or sexuality or anything like that. But in that moment, I knew she's not gonna like me because I'm a girl. Around when I was seven years old, I came out officially as a lesbian. I was a stud, which means I was a girl who dressed like a man and behaved more manly and all those things. Um, I had came out at school and I came out to my parents. As I grew up, I started dealing with, you know, aside from, you know, the gender identity and, and sexuality, I started dealing with a lot of anger and rage and violence because I was so hurt deep down. But I was the type of person that if I was hurt, I just bottle it in. Because anytime I had expressed how I was feeling, whether it was about my identity or about God or just anything at all, it was shut down. I ended up in a lot of mental hospitals on a lot of medications for things that I didn't even have. But because people were scared of me and they didn't know what to do to help and they didn't know what they could do, they decided to put me in a lot of uh, mental hospitals, you know, psych wards, medicines, counseling, psychiatrists, all of it. I had, I've been in and out of mental hospitals at least more than 10 times in my life. So that also played into me pushing God away because I didn't understand why on earth a loving God would give me all these mental issues and allow me to struggle and suffer with these feelings and desires and these thoughts that I didn't ask for. And when I sought help, it became worse. So it ended up making me resent God more. Once I had turned 18, I started transitioning and I started taking synthetic testosterone um, and I was ecstatic. I remember as soon as I took the hormones, I remember telling everybody on social media, I'm finally free. This is finally the person that, you know, I'm finally becoming the person that I was always meant to be. And I remember posting it everywhere. Guys, I'm almost there. I was planning to have breast removal surgery um, at the time, I was in a relationship and I had been with that person for six years and I believed that this was my wife. Genuinely believed it. After I started transitioning, I, I had been taking testosterone for two years. And after I started transitioning, I uh, just remember feeling, you know, I'm still depressed, I'm still suicidal, I'm still struggling. Nothing really changed about my life except for my body, you know? You know, becoming a man didn't really help me. It just changed how I, how I looked. And so I started looking for answers. I was like, okay, this isn't helping. This is not what I thought it was gonna be. 
I need something because something in my soul is missing. There's still something missing in my life. So ended up homeless and I was working out at the gym at the time and this girl had just, she asked me to go to church with her and keep in mind she worked there and she asked me to go to church with her and I remember saying, no, you know, God doesn't want somebody like me in the church. I don't belong there. I didn't tell her that I was trans and at the time you, you couldn't tell. I passed very well as a male. Um, but long story short, I ended up going that day and I encountered God for the first time ever. I received so much and I, I felt the love of God for the first time in my life. That was November 20th of 2019. So after I met Jesus that day, I pursued him for an entire year. I was reading my word, I was praying, I was still transgender during this time. And a year later, I was living with my ex at the time, um, bought the ring, you know, about to start my life with this person and I'm in the prayer closet and I'm like, God, why am I not seeing breakthrough in my life? I'm doing everything you asked me to do. And all of a sudden God speaks to me and gives me a vision. And he says, in, in this vision, there was a man and a woman on one side. And then on the other side, there was a man and a man and a woman and a woman. The man and the woman had babies. It was like blowing really bright. And it was like generations went down the line. And then on the other side, with the man and the man and the woman and the woman, there was a red line under their feet. And it was black because you, you can't recreate life that way. So I'm staring at this like vapor, like this vision in front of my face and God speaks to me and he says, I made man and woman so you could recreate and share the good news of my son, Jesus Christ. And, and he says, if the devil can convince somebody, a little boy or a little girl, a man or a woman, that they are gay, lesbian or trans, he said, not only is the devil going against my will because the devil's will is always against God's will, but the devil is wiping out entire family bloodlines and generations of people that I intended to be born will not exist for my glory. So I just remember feeling, wow, I've been really selfish my whole life. Everything in my life was based on my feelings. Oh, I feel like I'm a lesbian. I feel like I'm trans. I feel like God hates me and, and I was wrong. God loved me the entire time. I just had no idea about it because unfortunately his people didn't do a good job at telling me and showing me that. So I'm just sitting there and I'm crying and God wraps this fiery blanket around me and he says, I love you no matter what you choose, but you have to choose today. And I chose him. I was terrified to choose him because I had been one way my entire life. That's all I've ever known. Um, the next day I went to church and I got set free of the demonic spirit of Jezebel. And I didn't know anything about demons. I didn't know there was a spirit behind homosexuality. I didn't know there was demons behind um, false identities, but there was. And I know now that James Harley, which was the name that I went by, James was a false identity. That was never who I was. But the devil stole my identity from a very young age. And that's why I believed I was born that way because I was four and I didn't know better. So I can honestly sit here and tell you now, the desire to be with a woman is gone. The desire to be a man is gone. Where I once desired to be a man, I desire to have a man. Where I once desired to be a husband, I desire a husband. And that's not something I ever thought would ever happen to me in my life. But once I allowed God to change everything and I put myself in a position to say, you know what, I'm gonna put myself aside, I'm gonna put me away and everything I want, I'm gonna put it over here to fulfill your will, not mine. That's when my life totally changed. And now I spend most of my time um, helping people in the LGBT. If you want help, if you're seeking Jesus, I'm here for you. I want you to know that it's the love of God that changed my life. And that's what I speak. The love of God leads to repentance. It is not by Bible thumping. It's not, by, it's not something you can do. God did not make you that way. But if you allow him to change your mind, to change your desires, to change your feelings, it will happen. And that doesn't come by praying the gay away. It doesn't come by, by something you can do. 
It's not in your power, it's in His. He wants your heart. He's not looking for, for perfection. He's looking for people who are willing. Are you willing to let go of your identity? Are you willing to let go of your sexuality? Are you willing to put everything else aside to see what He has for you? So He loves you just as you are. And if you will receive that love, open up your heart and receive that, allow Him to love you and change everything, it'll happen for you. found those enlightening, instructive, encouraging. Um, See, we all, uh, we all are, because of the sin of Adam and Eve, we, that, this is a doctrine of uh, original sin. Uh, every, every person, every person who's born uh, enters the world broken, and has disoriented urges, every single one of us. There's another doctrine, it's called total depravity. And total depravity means that everything that happened after the fall is that men and women are just totally deprived. That's why we need a savior. Because if we just let ourselves go, we would be so corrupt. And we see that happening right now. There's only two genders, and, and why is it so blown up? Well, Second Thessalonians chapter 2 tells us why, because this is an end-time, end-time delusion. It's going all over the world, everywhere. And it's, you know, <laughs> we are all fallen, every single one of us. The sin was so overtaking that it actually even corrupted our genes. And people say, I was born this way. Well, you're not born that way. It's just that we came into this world corrupt. And God so loved this world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ that sets us free, sets us free. <laughs> this, of total depravity, this, this doctrine, it corrupted everything. It corrupted our minds, it corrupted our, our spirit, it, it corrupted everything. And it corrupted our, our physical bodies too. It, it's, it was a radical corruption. And we're all born into sin. Every one of us. Yeah. See, but God created us in His image. But that image has been marred because of sin. It is, it's corrupted everything. Homosexuality, transgender, gender queerness. It's not the way God created us. It's Every, all of this is a symptom of the fall. All of it. And neither did God create heterosexuals with a desire to use women or men or children as sex objects for their own pleasure. It's a symptom of sin. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and when people say 
follow your heart, you know, be the real you, follow your heart. I think, is that a safe motto to live by? Come on now. I mean, Hitler followed his heart. Think about it. Stalin followed his heart. Jeffrey Epstein followed his heart and abused hundreds of young women. That's right. I mean, Jeremiah 17 says that the heart, the sin in our hearts is corrupted. Like the heart is deceitful above all things. And so we need our minds renewed with who we really are, who Jesus made us to be. You know, I cannot be my own God. So, I mean, right. I think just be true to yourself. Well, shall I tell the rapist that? Think about the, how stupid that is. Or the thief. Just be true to your heart. Just keep doing what you feel like is right. Yeah. Where does it end? Where does it end? I just, I just say, like, no, thank you. I want to take the Bible and be true to the Bible. Amen. I want to be true to the one who created me. And the good news is we can know him. Yes. But it does take a belief. It does take faith that he's your creator. He knows why you, he created you. He knows how he created you. Male and female, he mm -hmm. created them. And just like these testimonies said, there's often so much childhood trauma, things that have happened to us that the devil uses. This is why we bring up Ephesians 6. The prince of the power of the air, wicked spirits in the heavenly realm. They've influenced your thinking, how you feel about yourself. And they're telling you this is how you're going to find the real you. And so we're, you're left at a crossroads in your life, if that's you. It's like, who will I believe? And I believe these testimonies, helpfully, prayerfully, where our hope is that they would open your eyes to see where the deception lies. And we sing that song, you are good, you are good. He's good yes, he because is. in the beginning he created, when he made the male and female, he, he pronounced that day very good. And we're going back there. Yes. On the return of Christ, he's returning us to that whole Eden, this whole, this whole world he's going to bring back his original plan and make it what he wanted it to be. And now he's calling his children. He's calling people. Will you come? Will you believe? Will you be who I created you yes. to be? See, when you give your life to Jesus, he gives you a new heart. A new heart. A new spirit. Old things pass away. All things become new. And all things are of God. It's the love of God that has brought his son to this earth. It's the love of God that was in Jesus Christ that was willing to go to the cross, that was willing to pay the sin debt of the world. Yeah. We can't even imagine what he went through. But yet he went into the grave for three days. He was paying the price of the sin of the world. The guy was tortured, tortured. I say he's the most courageous man that ever walked this planet. So but he willingly yeah, went. Right. And I think we, we, we often will say in our life, well, this is unfair, and this is unfair. And I think, look at Jesus. Oh. He has the, he's the only one with the right to say, this is unfair. What he suffered for us. And he did it in love. Yes. He did it in love so that we could be welcomed back and into adopted, his family and adopted into yes. his family. And so let's, we'll just... We'll,
we'll close out here. Father, we, we thank you. We thank you for truth, Lord God, that anchor our hearts. Yes. I thank you, Jesus, for giving us our identity in you. I thank you that you loved us from the foundation of the world. I thank you that we have the word of God, that we could read and see truth, that there's a prince of the power of the air, that the whole world is subject to, and yet you've made a way for us to come out. Yes. To be free of the bondage of sin, to be free to truly know who we are, who you created us to be. I, I pray, Father, for anybody listening here, anybody in this room who feels confused about that, that you would reach out to the Lord right now. Just reach out to him. Tell him, I want to know who, I, who you created me to be. That's all that it takes is a willingness. We are free we have free moral agencies. We have free will. Oh, I encourage you to use your will. Just resist the working of the devil. And put your hand in God's hand. Place yourself in his kingdom. Jesus, we worship you. We lift you high in this place. Yes. We lift you high over our families, Jesus over our relationships. We, we declare you as Lord. We resist the workings of the demonic, the prince of the power of the air. We resist you in the name of Jesus. We open ourselves to truth. We delight in truth. I pray for every person in here who may be struggling. That you just take that step of faith. Put yourself in the Lord's hands. Ask him, Jesus, come and help me. Show me who you are. Reveal yourself to me. I pray his love would flood yes. you from the top of yes. your head to the soles of your feet. You'd never be the same. And if you're in this place and you've, you don't, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, today's the day of salvation. There's no reason to put it off. You don't have a guarantee of tomorrow. And it's so easy to do. It's a, it's a, we are saved by grace through faith, which is a gift from God. Is there anybody in here that wants to give their life to Christ today? Just raise your hand. And we, it's just an act of faith. So if there's anybody listening online that desires to do it, mm -hmm. this is the prayer to pray. And you just pray a prayer like this, meaning it from your heart. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me, of my sin. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new creation. Help me, Holy Spirit, to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.